The Up With The Bonnets podcast is brought to you by Hilltown Electrical. Hilltown Electrical deals with both domestic and commercial jobs. You can find them on Facebook or by contacting them on 07793 847 390. Hello and welcome to the special edition of the Up With The Bonnets podcast. There's no Paul Gray this week, it's just me, Daniel Smith, and with me is a fan's favourite, a player that we all enjoy seeing and all enjoy seeing score, it's Mr Luke McCowan. Luke, how are you doing, pal? I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. Thank you very much for having me. Not a problem at all. Um, at a national week just now, so what have you been doing with yourself? Um, I was playing some golf uh, on the Friday. And then the Saturday, I really just chilled out. I usually kind of go home and and kind of see family and stuff when uh when I when we have a time off. But I just I just stayed up here. I wasn't a, I wasn't too bored and doing anything. So it was a nice relaxed weekend for me. No trips to Turkey or anything like that, because everybody seems to be going to Turkey just now. No, no, <laughs> and I think I'm maybe going to Turkey as ten years in time. Just to do something else with maybe my teeth or something, but uh, nothing, nothing like that yet. Nothing like that yet. Well, if you need a, if you need a guy about your hair, then speak to Paul, Paul McGowan. He Actually, can... I'll go. Well, nah, maybe, maybe need to avoid. He's waiting on his I money back on that. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, we'll just uh, crack on about your your journey into cool. the football. Um, yep. You're a, a, a greenick lad. Um, yep. But obviously, you uh, signed for Air United as a youth team. So, how how did uh, how did that come along? A Greenwich boy uh, making the trip to to Air. Um, do you know it was funny because the initially I think I, I think I got kind of first looked at only when I was like sixteen or seventeen, and I the scout that was there that day. This is how all kind of started. The scout that was there that day wasn't actually watching me. We were playing a team from Air. And he was watching one of their that day, and um, after I remember we I actually remember it so well. We got beat that game. I was crying and everything after it, and I just said that someday come in. I can't remember if it was maybe one of the coaches for the team I was at or whatever had came in and said somebody wants to speak to you, uh, and it was their scout. And he was like, the first one of the first questions I remember him asking me, obviously being from Greenock, so he assumed probably the worst. He was like, how how are you in school, and uh, what do you want to be when you're older? And I was like. I'm 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 alright in school. I, I kinda I'm doing my I'm doing my hires just now or whatever and uh and then uh, he asked me what I want to be and I was like PE teacher, didn't even want to be a footballer. Um so I think he was like kinda buzzing off of that and kinda just went on from there. So you you thought the worst just because you're a figunic. You thought you, you I, thought you were some scallywag. <laughs> to be fair, because of where I like so it was just a like a boys' club kinda I played for um at the time and where we had where we play. It's quite like a like quite a schemey place. So mm-hmm. like I think he obviously assumed it was, which I don't under I, don't, I obviously understand. And then uh, that was uh, I, I was imp- I was even impressed. I think my dad was really impressed as well that that was the first question he asked. Um and yeah, he just he, we kinda kept in contact and I went down a few times to kinda see how training was and obviously the travelling at the start probably wasn't the nice like because I couldn't drive yet, so my dad and my granddad had to drive me down. Um and then I just kinda progressed through there and that was around that must have been around January time of, I think it was 2015, maybe, 2016. And I think from there, 
it was that I was on basically on trial and t- basically going to training and stuff while still playing with my boys club uh, until the Jan- until the summer and then after the summer I left school and whatever and and signed with there. Kind of it was part time, obviously at the time and uh, I was I think it was reserves. I don't even think I got into like kind of eighteens or whatever. It was just kind of straight into the, like under twenty ones because um, I don't think they had like any any difference or whatever. Uh, so I just kind of kicked through there. I read someplace that I think you you used to be a lifeguard, part-time lifeguard as well, and you were getting up at like 5 a.m. in the morning, working there, and then you used to travel to air, which was like an hour, just over an hour. Um, how many years did you have to do that? Because I, I'm getting knackered myself, even just like thinking about it. To be fair, it's funny that you say that, because my missus takes a kind of make at me now, because she always goes, oh, you're a lifeguard, you never mention it. <laughs> and it's because it's something that obviously always comes up, because you're playing for a professional club, and you're also working a job, and not a lot of people, like, it, obviously, lower leagues, of course, it always happens, but when you get to higher, it's always the question, or how did you manage, or whatever. But I didn't really know any different. I, I Luckily, it's summer. I think it was that summer I'd signed, or maybe the summer after. I luckily was already a lifeguard and just worked different shifts here and there. But my uncle who had worked there let was leaving or was was getting leaving a job open and it was a five AM until twelve PM or one PM job. And I remember just thinking like I better go for that because if I don't then I'm going to be keep changing shifts and, and doing whatever. So I, yeah, I went I went for that. So I'd wake up at five, go into work for quarter past, twenty past five, a place would open half five. And bizarrely to me, the place was mobbed at half five, quarter to six. So it was always good. It was always like your usuals in. And then, yeah, we'd do that, come home, go for a wee sl- sleep. Or I, I remember getting through a wee period, though. I used to think like naps were for the week, if you want to say. So I used to think like I would go home, I'd stay awake, I'd do whatever, keep myself busy. But I remember being just so tired going to training or so tired coming back. I thought, right, you need to start giving yourself some kind of time to, to rest. So, yeah, I must have done that for about maybe just under a year, I would say, maybe about t- 10, nine months. Um, I think it was before, and then I think Air were thinking about going full-time, and it was kind of falling in perfectly with when I then had to sign my first pro contract. But I remember some days I would, it would be, when I first signed the first pro, like my pro contract, I would obviously train in the morning when we were full-time, and then I would come home, and I'd get home for maybe half two, and I would work from quarter past three until half eight, so I would do that on the other side. So when I still obviously, because obviously when you first go in, you're not making enough money to, to even just live. Or at that time, I'd just got my first car. I was, oh, the petrol, all, the, all my money was going into my petrol. So yeah, I'd done that for a bit. And I must have I kept that kind of going, that shift, the back shift, what I call it. Must have kept that going until maybe for another three months. I think it was until the, the summer had then came round to make it the full year. Um and yeah, so it was it was tiring right enough. It was it was a it was a long haul. <laughs> I was going to say that's um that's a, a big like in you know, a regime for a, a young player, a young person yeah, like yourself to do. I mean, you must have had to make sacrifices along the way, you know, because you're spending all the time doing that. You're you're probably knackered. I mean, socialising as well. People, you know, Scottish culture is Friday Saturday you're out and stuff like that. you're probably yeah, yeah. too knackered to even do that. Um, I can imagine maybe a few boys even. Like maybe doing the same thing as you would, would chuck it and think, ah, this is no for me. Well, it's funny you say that. I had a I had a mate that um that done it like so who played in the same boys club as me. Luckily enough, got um got the got the like the trial kind of with me, 
And he, when we both started and both signed, I think the first six months, obviously I was working my 5am job, which was based in Greenock, and my friend was working a job based in Erskine. So you're only 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. But then, so he was travelling to there and then travelling back just to meet me and then we were going again. And then he, as I said, he only lasted maybe five months, six months. And he, he chucked it and obviously it could have been easy for me to to kind of leave it there and, and kind of do the same as him. But I don't know, there was just something I thought, like, I better just keep giving this a go. I didn't really know anything different. I didn't think, like, I'll keep going to be a football player. I just thought, like, I like playing football. I need to travel a wee bit, so be it. I'll just do it. I wasn't ever thinking a, a bigger picture or anything like, anything like that. But, yeah, he, when he chucked it, um, I just thought, I may as well keep going. It's only the only thing I know, really, so kept it going. Thank God that you did. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I listened to a podcast that you did a few months back. Um, I can't remember who who it was with. It was a couple of journalists. Um, but obviously, you, you said that you you live in Dundee, so take it these five AM starts of a thing of the past, and you get a kind of a, a, a longish lie lying. There. I I get I get a longish lie. However, I've got a very needy dog who likes <laughs> these walks and stuff like that. So it's instead of a five AM, I would say like a quarter past seven, half seven uh, rise, which isn't too bad at all. I can complain. Uh, well, I've got a needy daughter, three-year-old daughter, and a needy dog as well. They days hopefully are soon to come for me, so um, I, it's, um, that's one they look forward to. <laughs> well, I've got a, I've got a, another another child coming along the way as well next uh, April, so yeah, so I mean, I'm, to it a bit. <laughs> really am, really am, but I'm probably now in the 5am starts that you used to do. <laughs> yeah, I love it, I love it. It's all worth it in the end, it's all worth it, we say, it's all worth it. That's it, mate. That's it. You can't complain. Um, so, so go back to Air United. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your debut came against Queen's Park um, in the League One. I think you got the last few minutes of a game. I, I did. I, I was at, um, that was at Hamden. Jeez, I didn't even remember that. I'm glad you reminded me. I, that was at I'm just, Hamden. I was just checking because I was on this website. No, as well. I, think it, I think it was. That was, that was when I had came on. Um, I think that was my first Port Barley substitution. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure we went into penalties that day. And I think I was going to take a penalty because they had a man sent off. So I had to then come off. But I was in the baggiest white uh, pink top I've ever seen. It was the, honestly, I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like, I'm, I'm with the first team, like, obviously, pure buzzing. And uh, it was generally, it could have been my dad's top at the time. It was, it was massive. This thing was huge. So I was like, right, I, did, I think I'm pretty sure I had to tuck it in and stuff like that. Like, if you're old school, I had to tuck it in and, and, and probably thingy. But yeah, that was, a, that was a debut. People say your debut is never amazing, but um, that was probably a debut to forget for me. For me. <laughs> Sounds like you were dressed as like a, a footballer from like 1997, 1998. Like honestly, that's how it felt. And don't get me wrong, Hamden's a lovely pitch and it's massive and whatever, but. That was a nightmare. I remember thinking that I was running through on goal or running running up the pitch and I felt like the goal was just getting further and further and further away. So I it was definitely a debut to uh, forget, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you keep your pink top? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's still somewhere. Because right? mm. I had to because it was a pink top. It was a pink away top. But, um, and obviously it was one of my first, so I'm pretty sure that's framed somewhere down, in, down with the family. I'll match your football bits this season then. Ah, exactly. That's it. I know. <laughs> Got to stand it somehow. Stand it. <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of characters in that team. Uh, there was a few. Uh, Michael 
Michael Morfitt, Lawrence Shanklin, Jamie Adams, Declan McDade. So that's a few names that Dundee fans will know of either playing for us or in uh, Morfitt and yeah. Shanklin's case, scoring against us. Yep. Um, it seemed like a good group of lads and you won the League One title that year. Was was it easier for you kind of coming into the first team um, with the team playing well, you know, and, and winning the league? You know, it's a, it's a buzz around the squad. Um, and, you know, it's not like you're going into a team that's struggling at the time, you know, against relegation. You're, you're making the breakthrough in a team that are winning League One. I take it that makes the transition from youth into the fringes of the first team uh, maybe a, a little bit more better? Aye, I think so. I, I think you're bang on there, especially it, pure ta- it really taught me probably the, the biggest thing it was always to have a good changing room. And obviously everybody you ever speak to probably says they had an amazing changing room or whatever, but generally that the changing room there was uh, amazing. It was something that there wasn't a, a gap between... Um, kind of reserves and, and youth team who were training with the first team to the first team there wasn't a gap as in like nobody spoke to you or you, you felt, even though you'd done everybody like you'd done all the jobs and you'd done whatever there wasn't ever a, a gap like I still I, I car shared with Lauren Shankland I car shared with uh, Andy Murdoch and, and, and like the boy Liam Smith who had played with United and stuff I car shared with them and they were all amazing with me and I, this was my first time kind of coming through and um, I remember just thinking, like, oh, I wish I hope everybody's like this further on in my career because they were all just so good. And don't get me wrong, they, they were all like after rocker, I would say. <laughs> when, when you would go through, there would always be something happening. Somebody's clothes is always getting tampered with. There's always somebody peeing in somebody's bath or something. There was always something going on. So, uh, but they were brilliant. And I, as you said, I think at the time we had uh, Ian McCall and he wasn't really, he's very old school, so he wasn't really a tactician. He was more just everybody going and, and trying to outscore the other team. And, and for me, who was an attacking player at the time, it suited, it suited me to, to a tee. So um, oh, it was it was brilliant. And as I said, you would always have first team players coming in and seeing how you would get on or, or talking away to you. Or at the time, we had, uh, I remember just off a of heart, like uh, Stephen Bell, who was one of the, uh, he was one of the, the defenders at the time. But, he loved to, He always loves telling a story, Stephen, and and um, I remember he just always used to tell stories. But he would always kind of tell me ones of when he was in my position. So I was obviously. I remember one time we went to. I think it was like away to Inverness or away to Ross County or something. Then in the cup, and Ian McCall had turned around and said, to, "Like before the game, sat everybody down, and he was like, I just want to say, uh, look, McCowan, you deserve your seat on that bus.'" <laughs> and I felt I was like that. Ah, all right, okay. I, I feel so privileged to have that seat, but I never got. A, I never got. A, I never. I never even got a shot of that that day. I wasn't even in the squad, if you want to call it. But he just said to me, "I think it might have been the end of the game." Actually, just said to me, um, "Yeah, you deserved your seat on that bus." And I thought, oh, "Thanks very much." And then after that, I remember Bella coming up, going, "Listen, that's a big thing that you're saying that. Uh, it means that you, you you're part of the team. Don't think about it." So he was always there, kind of encouraging younger ones. And don't get me wrong, he was hard. There was so many players on that team that were hard on us, but some players they stand out for really really helping you to be fair I can imagine that being a big thing uh, like, like you just said it is a big thing for getting to help that's your, that's your seat a uh, young player coming through and like you see you made yeah. an, what, an appearance that was uh, came on with minutes to go um, but I, I take it like also you felt like well that's me on the bus still not made it yet so it was still a case of knuckling doing and impressing him because I can imagine him being a tough manager to, to impress Aye. He was he was crazy. You were scared of him. I'll be honest. I was scared of him. 
Um, used to just try and walk by him in the in the in the halls and stuff like that at Somerset. And I mean, if he's shouting on you or whatever, you you feel like you're doing something wrong, or like if he's shouting on you to do a job, you're like, oh my god, please just don't say anything else. Just tell me to do something and then go away again. And um, but to be fair, his assistant Neil Scally, he was amazing with us as young boys. He made us feel so welcome. He made us feel so like as if we could go to him with anything, even if we, so a few times I remember thinking at that time, I always thought I was doing enough in training to maybe get a shot or get like, I even on the squ- in the squad or whatever. And I remember always saying to him, like, do you think I should speak to the manager or, or do you, what do you think his position would be? And he would always just give me so much good advice and he would say, no, I think you can go in and I think you can speak to him or I think maybe, maybe just leave it or wait wait until this was maybe say the Friday or the Thursday but like, maybe wait till the Monday let emotions calm down and stuff like that so it was always yeah, I think uh, McCall's assistant was always really good with us because and he'd also the funny story is he'd be, he'd be on playing he, so Neil Scali was only maybe what 38 at the time just maybe retired early if you want to say and he would be on playing PlayStation with all the boys so we were all youngsters all loving to play PlayStation and whatever and he would be on playing the Fortnite and all that and uh so he always, so when we seen him the next day, it was so hard to always take him serious, but like him and McCall, they had that switch where they would go for McCall coming in telling us he was worth quarter of a million to switching it and saying, right, that's it, you're only come, you're only come to train. I remember him making boys run back for training in their boots and stuff like that. Like he, he was a tough, tough, tough manager. Um, but luckily, one I, one I finally impressed, to be fair. I don't know how I done it, but he was, <laughs> he was very, he's very, complimentary when I was coming through at that time. So you went through the assistant manager doing Fortnite dances with you to then give you a big boot up the arse the next training session. That's basically, that's basically <laughs> what happened. Somehow, somehow it worked. Somehow it worked. I don't know how, but sometimes, somehow it worked. <laughs> well, I think the, the following season you played a handful of times, but the next, the, the last two years with Ayr, um, I think you fairly cemented your place in the team, played quite a lot. Uh, was it a case of Ian McCall coming up and saying like, this is your place, uh, keep it yours, or did you just have to keep knuckling down and basically earning it and stealing off somebody else? I think um, at the time, I can't remember if, if they, I think Dick McDade had left to go to Dundee at the time. And I remember it was either the, the season before, I had obviously done not bad um, at the end, of, like at, at near the end of the season. And I remember him giving me a lot of like praise and whatever and uh, it was funny too because I remember him doing a wee piece in, in, a, in a newspaper saying if he can only stay off that PlayStation he'll make it far he'll make it far in the game or something so obviously that linked in with, with his assistant and, but I remember just at the end of the season him being very like vocal to me about how how big next year's going to be and um, I remember at the time I think I had actually ran out of my contract that year and I remember just going in and him offering me like obviously the money I had wasn't very good or whatever. And I, I never knew if it was good, bad, ugly, nice. I never knew anything. I never had any agents or anything. I remember just taking it, looking at it, going home, showing my mom and dad, them saying amazing, signing it and getting it back, I think, the next day. And it was like, All right, like, is that that? And I was like, I don't I, I let's go, let's I don't know. Like like I just want I didn't think I would have got anywhere else. So I didn't know that was a thing that you went to other places. It was just <laughs> like right, let's uh Let's just get this done here. I want to, I want to play, and then I remember coming into pre-season and all the training stuff I had was it was all sitting. I was I went into the, I think I remember I went into the reserve like the reserve changing room like the away changing room if you want to call it where the young boys went, 
and my stuff wasn't there. And I went in, and on number eleven was all my, all my stuff. And uh, I just remember kind of like thinking, "Oh, here we go. This is this is where it needs to start." And as I said, I, I never ever used to think like too far ahead. I think I need to keep impressing or whatever. It was just kind of came like so pre. I tried to say so present in it. Like then get yourself caught up, but then do anything else. Just and he, him giving me praise and pushing me, and all, all the other players in the head in that team were all pushing me. So it was it was kind of perfect timing, I would say. I don't know how I would feel if I walked in and see my stuff move from one changing room into the main one. Yeah, mixture excitement. Ah, oh, I, myself basically. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, honestly, I was to be fair, but it, it was more. I had good friend. I had like. So at the time we had the boy Craig McGuffey and it plays at Queenie South. He'd moved from so he kinda not led the way, but he, he was like the first of us to kinda push through into the first team. So he was like right beside me. He was he was there out talking the way to me. So it was as if I'd never really changed to dressing room, if that makes sense. And I had Alan Forrest, who was another one, uh, who was next to me and um he he was obviously amazing as well. But he was kinda a wee bit more experienced, so he helped like some me and Craig how to develop, even though he was a bit of a, a bit of a mouse. To be fair, never really spoke much, but even to this day, he's, he's a good friend of mine, and um, I always say to him that he, he helped us a lot in getting to that, getting to that first team and getting to playing at a level. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the your last season at Air, it was uh, season twenty twenty one, and it was obviously COVID times. You know, the yeah. teams were coming mm-hmm. back, and a lot of teams maybe hadn't hadn't had enough money. You know, to spend as other teams do, and I think they always kind of were along the playoff spots when they made the the they got up. But that season, I think you just I think it was goal difference actually. You managed to stay off the playoff spot at the bottom just I a goal difference. Die. Yeah, I mean, I take it like with your contract running that was there as well, and you've you've had people looking at you. Do you just think it was a a good time to to maybe move on and a chance you've met someplace else? I like I, I was so disappointed in how that season went because I felt. It, obviously, we had changed manager halfway through. Um, Mark Kerr, who's who's like unbelievable for me. He's one of the top top guys I've met in football. Um, even when he was a player, um, and I I, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but he was just so so good. And it like when I was coming through, as you say, I wouldn't be as uh, like pushing to get in a first team if it wasn't for him. I remember him doing things in training. He'd be like. So it'd be me and him up against each other because at that time I would always play 10 and he would always be the sitting midfielder. So he would always be pushing me and grabbing me and nipping me and being like, oh, you're the wee guy for Greenock, aren't you? Let's see what you've got. Let's see if you're let's see if you're as hard as what your your area is. Let's see. So he would give he would do all your stuff. Um so he, when he went to manager, I always thought to myself, like, I, I really want everybody wants to do well for him. You know, as if at the time everybody was maybe trying too hard for him and it just wasn't falling enough and when he left, obviously we brought uh, we got Hoppy in, and um, it just kind of it was kind of like a doomed spider away anyway at the time. And as you said, I think we went away to Inverness and drew two each, and we lucky enough stayed up in the goal difference. But I don't think I ever thought to myself, "Oh, like this is my time to get out," or like this is a good way we've stayed up. But I would have loved it more if we had done amazing, and it was a case of like everybody. I always say it like I always want to. If you're ever leaving a place, you want to leave when everybody still wants you. But you don't want to leave when everybody's kind of kicking you out anyway. So mm-hmm. at that time, I have felt like people wanted me to stay. And so I decided, like, right, maybe 
if I can get a chance, I want to play higher, a higher level. And at, at that time, obviously, I had agents and even my family and friends who I listened to more than anybody were always like, maybe you should try like get to a higher level or maybe say like, see if any teams are interested that are playing at a higher level. And obviously, luckily enough, Dundee had come in and who were going straight to the Prem and it was obviously always a dream of mine to play there. So um, that was a kind of no-brainer when, when that happened. Aye, the, the, when you did sign for us, or I think a few days before you signed, the, the press up here um, had us and also our rivals, Dundee United, chasing you at the same time. And I don't think right. anybody's ever been able to get a straight answer because um, obviously Dundee fans like winding up uh, rivals and vice versa when you, yep. you're, you're picking them for a sign-in. But were, were United in for you as well or any other clubs? Um, I'll be honest, uh, United, it wasn't ever... There was never anything there from United. There was never... It was, I think, obviously, at that time, when I'd, if you do all right in a thingy, there's always, like, um, links to a club. But I was never ever approached to, by somebody or never approached by, like, United, if you want to say. But I totally understand. As soon as that interest comes up, and obviously I went to Dundee, I totally get why people would then use it, because I would have done... I'd be doing the same if it was that case. So... It's, it's it was brilliant obviously at the time when I'd seen it all and it was like oh like can I get it around them a wee bit he signed uh, and but I seen a few things here and there but um oh, no nah, it was never it was never a, a solid offer from them or anybody really it was um at Dundee were kind of the first people right away to contact me and I remember at the time again Mark Kerr was friends with James McPake and Mark Kerr phoned me saying hey, listen I think James I'm going to pass your number to James McPake um. We'll just talk, do it through that way. If you want to talk to him, talk to him, see how he was. And don't get me wrong, James McPeak sounded absolutely amazing for me. And um, it just the way he was talking, and he just sounded so normal from for where I came from. He was just so like just like another assistant, if you want to say. He was like he wasn't. He didn't come across like a manager, like a scary manager. He just come came across like a guy who was wanting me to go play for his club and and go play and enjoy football and and play at a high level. So. It was it just kind of went as smoothly as that, and I think uh, I got a phone call on maybe maybe the Thursday or something, maybe it's Tuesday, and then I, I was it was done by the Friday or Saturday, so it went that went that kind of quick. Yeah, uh, okay. Well, I guess to go for the, the headlines when it comes to firstly teams in for you, uh, I guess it's a cheap headline, isn't it? Get the, the punters of, going. Of course. <laughs> Do you want to know what? It's it's the best thing to get the punters going, and I absolutely I love it because it creates a wee bit of entertainment in football. When you mm-hmm. hear stuff like that, and you, it's, it creates a wee bit of like hostile environment. I love it. So the more they act, the merrier. I think. To be fair. <laughs> Sign up for Dundee was that? Did I take it? Did you uh, come up to Dens have a look around before signing, or was it just a case of McPake and pressure that was on the phone that it was just like pass me the the pen and paper? Well, obviously I knew how big Dundee was, and I had played prior. I don't get me wrong, I didn't have fond memories because every time I heard it, every time I tried to play Dundee, the game kept getting called off. Yeah, I remember that. I didn't have a lot of fond memories going to Dens itself, but I just knew how big Dundee was and obviously I never ever like hadn't played through like a youth team, like a big club or whatever, so I never ever knew like how what size a club Dundee would be. So I it was just a case of, I never went up before, it was like I just went up on the day to sign. Um, and just had a wee look around and then went in and, and, and signed the paper and stuff and then had Moria kind of look around everywhere and but as you said it was kind of it was cold it was like still kind of COVID lockdown and obviously there was still a lot of rules so it was a wee bit um, um, I was, was it 
like a wee, it was taken down a wee bit. I'll say it taken down a wee notch. Ah. That wasn't it, it wasn't as like big or as many people about. It was only like me and my agent, and then maybe like Sally like Eric and and even the photographer or Tommy or whoever. It was just a, just a few people. So it wasn't it wasn't um, as big as 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 what you think or pure getting tours of the place or whatever. It was just kind of going in, have a look at the pitch, see that it was getting done up, and then just went in. And I knew I was wanting to sign, so nothing was going to stop me. So that was you, a Dundee player, and big part of the first team for Dundee as well. Um, you actually got your first goal against Montrose in the Cup, um, but your first league goal was a big one. Uh, it was in the, obviously in the Premiership. Uh, I, I'm sorry, it was your first goal in the Premiership as well, um, and it turned out to be the winner against Aberdeen on a Saturday night. I mean, how good a feeling was it to net, get your first goal in the top flight and also I think it was your first win of the season as yeah. well? Um, do you know something before it? I remember thinking a few games leading up, and I thought I was doing all right, but because I was new in the Prem, I always thought, like, why am I not performing the way I have been when I was at air? And I remember thinking, I remember just got to tell myself, um, especially before the Aberdeen game, I was like, the goals will come, just don't worry about it, just keep trying, keep doing what you're doing, just play with instinct, all the usual, I would just tell myself, stay calm, goals and assists will come. And um, luckily enough, on that day, it was... It came and look, it made it. I think it made it better the fact that I had made it 2 0, and it was like a wee bit of a cushion. Obviously, at the end, you can ask, hang on, and it, it's 2 1 and whatever. But um, the, the three points was bigger than anything, I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, obviously, it was amazing for me to score score a goal and, and, and stuff like that in my in the first time uh, doing it in the Prem. But um, I just feel like the three points at the time was just massive for everybody. Um, but no, nah, it was it was special. Obviously, but like if you want to say proper first goal at Dens when everybody was there and and stuff like that, it was it was an unbelievable feeling, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, unfortunately that season that was it was not really one to remember, was it? Um, <laughs> obviously, Dundee were relegated. Disappointing for everybody involved. Um, yeah. You know, it just seemed to be like every time we fought, well, we're stringing a few results together, like Lady Lock had. Other yeah. other things in, in in the way for us. It just seemed to like I wouldn't say like fall apart, but it just it just seemed doesn't seem to go for us at all because we we certainly had players in the team and the squad to to probably do better. It just it just never really happened, did it? I know, I, and I agree. And you know something that it's something that always like ate away at me because as you said, you had so many good players in that team that that easily could have got you mid table to to top six in a, in a Premier League, but. Sometimes just as you said, sometimes things just don't go for you and and um other things like you you kinda wish oh, if we just done it here or if we just done it there, but then you start playing that hard luck story, but you wouldn't ever want to be known as a team as a hard luck story. But as you said, that when you get to an end of season and you go, Oh for God's sake, like there wasn't anybody else at the time, I think, in that in the league that was kinda with us, whereas like so you could claw with, whereas if it say for example you had Somebody along a team alongside you, you could kind of battle it out with them and, and make sure, like if they're, if, say for example, if they were getting beat, we we could have a wee chance of winning. There was never, I felt like we created too big a gap at the maybe mid mid season that we never, we never gave ourselves a chance to, to catch people. And at the time, also I wasn't very experienced in the in the prem, and I just kind of I wish at the time I was more experienced so that you can help more and and push your team more, but. Um, as you said, it was just a tough one to take, man. And it was obviously my it was my first relegation. And it was just such a weird feeling. Like it was 
like heartbreaking almost. Like obviously it would be anyway, for especially for fans. But it was just so disappointing that especially if I didn't. I know that I didn't want to play in that league again, but you just wanted to play as high as possible. And then the first season I get up there, I need to. You kind of go back, go back again. So it was like kind of two steps up, and then a, a one step back, if you want to say. Um, but it was it was majorly disappointing. Yeah, and obviously, change of manager. Uh, throughout the season doesn't he help either uh, sometimes yeah. it does sometimes it doesn't and and obviously the threat of Mark McGee getting naked at one point never helped either <laughs> this is what I mean like so this is the kind of season and it's funny because I'm, I'm, I don't ever ever bear on the bush but like that's the kind of season that came to me that he had came in and was saying the most bizarre stuff you'll ever hear about getting naked and and I remember one time he was telling us to to keep our heating off um, so that our our but was it keep the heating off so that you're freezing or, or don't eat because you're so that you're hungry for wins and stuff stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I just thought to myself, this isn't this isn't going to go right here. This isn't <laughs> this can't this can't happen. Like this can't happen. This so. But don't get me wrong. As a as assistant, what's his name again? The names have evaded me as well. <laughs> I blonde hair and everything. I can remember. I can remember him just as if I would talk to him because uh, he used to be the manager. I then, see, but yeah. anyway, he, he was he was really really good. He was he was brilliant. He was so he was like a tactician, if you want to say. He he was showing me his different sides of the game that I I would, I'd probably never really had as much as what this guy had showed me. It's terrible. I can't remember his name. It's so bad. Um, but he he was amazing, and, and he had kind of came in, and it was it was like kind of an angel and the devil almost. It was like Mark McGee, who was as old school as they come, and it wouldn't. Have, he was wanting us to no eat our dinner at night so that we're coming into training hungry and ready for success but this guy was telling us to put extra spin on the ball so that you can hit it first time and it was like a total mismatch and I just remember I just remember thinking these them two together it was it was um, it was a it was a match you would never see you would, you would never make to be fair um, but it just just as you, as you say it didn't end up working and, and it wasn't it wasn't to be no Simon Rusk Simon Rus- Rusky. That's the nickname I was thinking of, Rusky. That's why it was awaiting me. Simon Rusk, that's so bad. That, that's terrible. Terrible, I can't remember. I apologise to anybody else listening who was a Simon Rusk fan. That's shocking <laughs> to me. Um, I mean, looking back on it, obviously it was disappointing, the conclusion of the season, but yourself, it was uh, in the Premiership alone, 29 appearances for Dundee, four goals. And, I mean, I think... You have a player that everybody enjoyed seeing playing, despite what happened as well. I think it was like a, a, you know one of the, the bright bright spots of the season. Even like myself, we used to do another Dundee podcast, and and uh, I used to say you gave me a bit of the the Greg Stewart feels about you. Um, yeah. Just you know, like, so there, there was always that. Um, so take yeah. it like disappointing on that level, but on one other level, you've you've played so many times in the Premiership, so you you, you must take away from that. Like I've been there, I've I've shown I can I can perform there, and um that must be something that that does is it's, it's a positive. I know in a in a, in a season you're relegated, there's not going to be many. You no, maybe I, don't I, want I, any, but yeah, hundred percent. I I did uh, take that as you as you would as anybody would if even if your team doesn't succeed in a in a season, you always try and take what you did right. Not that that makes it any easier to to deal with or whatever, but you always just take what you done right and things that you can then use in future terms. So no, definitely I. I used that for confidence going into the next year. Um, to be fair, and and it was, it was really good for me to to play that many times and know that I can play at that level and, and do all right. Um, it was tough. It was tough for me in in the in the prem because I feel like I did come and, and I, I didn't 
I didn't really play my position either. I was I was on the left a lot and and I was never a kind of down the line and cross it kind of person who and it was that's just obviously me personally. I, I that was not my kind of favourite skill set and um I was always rather play on the right to, to be able to cut in and, and do stuff as you said, like the magical Greg Stewart can do and um I just felt at the time I wasn't able to showcase what was my best suit, if you want to say. Um, but no, I, I used it, and, and luckily enough, I done all right in the prem. But there's always, always room for improvement. If I hopefully this year I can get better than that and get higher, higher up in the goals and assists again. Obviously, that summer uh, it was another new manager. It was your third manager in the space of a season I mean was I this know. like was this maybe like the third time of you trying to like prove your worth to a, a manager it must have been like oh come on eh <laughs> you, think about it, you think about it even the year before I had like what two I had two managers there so it was I had five different people telling me different things to, today so I was like but nah you take it comes with football sadly it's I was starting to think in the common denominator was me I was saying you know my God. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it obviously comes with football and you get to learn that obviously every manager is different that you'll play under. Um, but no, it, again, you just, it, I wouldn't ever, I don't ever stop doing what I'm doing. It wouldn't matter if it was uh, we peak feed on the road or, or anybody who was in, who was a manager. I would just be doing the same thing I would do every week. So um, no, nothing really changed for me. I just knew that, I'm, as you said, I need to show that I can be the best player I can be in training and stuff like that and, and nothing kind of went through there. Aye. Well, thankfully, it was just one season in the Championship. I think everybody would be relieved Aye. of that. Um, but the Championship can be tough at times, can't it? I mean, time, I mean, I think Dundee, cause we never really hot top, top spot for a wee while. We'll speak about that later on. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those where, as it's seen as Dundee's the big scalp. So when you come, come against teams, they maybe just sit back, want to hit you on the break. And that's kind of what the game is. I mean, the one that sticks to my mind was near the end of the season, I guess, Cove Rangers, when it was 0-0. And it was just like, I mean, Cove were fighting for their lives though, but at the same time, it just seemed to be like this league is just mental. But, I mean, how frustrating is it, is it for an attacking player like yourself when you come up against that and, you're, you know, as the game goes on, you kind of break them down and it just seems to be like most of the teams are setting up that yeah. way against you. Well, I think that's obviously that's probably when you're tested at your best, like tested at your most. Sorry, it's um, I mean that's where you get paid today. It's near, not near in the bush or anything. It's just if teams are sitting in, you've got to find a way to break them down. And um, lucky enough, sometimes throughout the season we manage to do that. But games like COVID that are horrible, of course, when you you go away and it's on the Astro and it's a horrible night and the ball's just getting kicked back at you and you need to go again and kick back and you need to go again and whatever. And as you said, it makes it even harder for us because it's called fight for their lives and I think as well when I when I always played against Dundee and, and bigger teams like that I always used to be so much more motivated and I used to tell the boys that in the changing room when I was at when I was at uh, Dundee sorry I used to say these guys in here are so motivated because you think they're at a bigger club they're on more money I said this is a this is a motivating thing like these this is what these guys play for I said these guys play for games like this they can come against come against people who get more money than you, who play at a bigger club than you. I said they'll use that, and that'll be more than anything. You just need to make winning the next important thing. If that makes sense. So, lucky enough, sometimes in the season we did that. Um, but it's so hard. The championship is horrendous at times. Everybody beats everybody. It's never just a case of like the last year for us. It never was a case of we just beat 
10 people, 11 people in a row. It was always up and doing, up and doing. And I think every season it's been like that, to be fair. Yeah, that's what it seems to be like. Yeah, nobody really gets a good run at it. And, and if you do get a good run at it, there's always a team and, that are doing it the same, I, like Queen's Park always, last season. And yeah, Air for a wee while. I, there, there was, if you did, it just shows how, how uneven the kind of league is because as soon as one person does, it just creates this wee, this wee gap in the, in the, in the table and it, you, can, you kind of stand out for a wee bit. And then, as you said, it comes back again and it gets unevens and then somebody else goes on a wee run and catches them. So, um, nah, it definitely is a, a topsy turvy league, I'll call it, if you want to say. Aye. Well, you obviously got strong connections with United. Um, but the big game uh, was the day before Christmas Eve. And obviously, it's the top of the table clash. Dundee are down yep. to 10 men after uh, Josh Mulligan's been sent off in like 19 yeah. minutes. Um, still ter- we still, we still terrorise him for that, don't you worry. <laughs> Lucky enough, it uh, worked well in the end. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, he's sent off. But Dundee man- managed to find a way. And looks at like Air on a fantastic run of form. But we managed to um, beat them 2 0, like both goals mm-hmm. from yourself. But. Obviously, the the celebrations were subdued. You know what? I celebrate uh, too much against ex-employers. They've grew up yeah. as a youth player. But when you see when you won the game like that, and you see the way the crowd, the away crowd are going, do you just want to just like taps off, run into the jump in? Aye, that was that was the best I've ever seen. The the uh, like that was unbelievable that night. And I always it made it makes it more special. Obviously, going back to there, um, and also it was me that had obviously scored the two goals, so it makes it like even kind of better. And I just, I, it was immense. Like the the noise, the 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 whole. I just everybody was just going together. It was just everybody was bouncing together. It was amazing. The noise was unheard of. And uh, as you said, I've kind of got to show a little bit of respect to to your former employers, and uh, it was just the case. Of, but the next one. I didn't even obviously the next goal I had scored. I never even got really got to celebrate because I was that much shocked that I even went in. I was like, Alpha, right, here we go, brilliant. And then I just remember we pulled up on my back and stuff. So it was it was a uh, that was a special night for sure, especially because of the fans. Ah, yeah, just I remember seeing that because I did think what what was your celebration like for the second game? But like by the time it hit the back of the net, the players had just swandering just so you had no no chance to do anything. Yeah, no time or nothing. So but it was it was when that hit the back of the net, man. That's I've not had a feeling like that in football for that was probably one of the best feelings I'd obviously apart from winning the league, but that was just amazing. That feeling it was just such a it, sometimes you think as well it's such a relief because as you said, you're down to ten men against a team who's on good form. Like, how is this game gonna go? And then enough I come up with two goals and it's it's mayhem. <laughs> and you also had that song dedicated to you the last know, Christmas. I, and even hearing that before the but like before the game and stuff, it was just it was just amazing. Like there's no, no better feeling than that, and they kind of repay them for travelling away, don't they? That probably would have took them about three, three years or something to get away, don't they? So it's the best repayment you can give is is scoring a couple of goals and sending them home on Christmas happy, isn't it? So nothing that's better. Christmas number one, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Nothing better. Nothing better. Um, obviously. Just talked about uh, a good feeling winning the league, so we did win the league that season and dramatic fashion. Last game, sure, second place, Queen's Park, winner takes it all. Um, what was the build up for yourself like for that game? Because obviously, if, if we lost, then it's into the playoffs, which need you. Well, I know that Dundee won the playoffs a couple of years beforehand, but nobody but wants in that nah. playoff. Nobody's won Nobody it. Wants, nay, nay, nay team, somebody will be lying to you if they tell you they want to play us. It's, it's the most, especially the format that. 
that they use to kind of get up. But it's so hard for anybody who comes fourth or third or whatever, or just so hard for any team really to go through a full season and then have to have that extra motivation to get up. It's it's hard to motivate yourself, and we knew that before. But it's funny, me personally, I felt so calm. I, I think because of how I think because of our previous results against Queens Park, we always done so well against them. And I felt at the time we had went, I think maybe like 10, 9 games or something unbeaten. And I know the last couple we were like drawing nothing each, or I think it was the last two before that, we'd, or three, we'd drew nothing each and, or one each and stuff like that. And I just remember thinking to the build up, like, I'm so calm here. Like, there's no, I can't see anything else but a win. And that was just me personally. It wasn't us all going about like too confident or, or cocky to, to an extent. It was more just like such, such calmness, knowing that. If we go into this game, we're we're going to we're going to win, and um, I the, it's, as you say, it's any team I've played for, and a lot of people said at the time, like typical Dundee, it's like I always got to do it the hard way, can never do it, can never do it the easy way. And I always used to think like a lot of people say typical Dundee, and then again I thought it was a common denominator. I thought that's how me I've just had that through my whole life now. It's like just always got to do it the hard way. You can't just do it easy. So. Um, that nah, was it was immense that the the kind of showdown if you want to call it. I loved it. I loved all the build up as you said. It made the, made the championship so so entertaining for that one game. That it was all reliant on this, and it just brought so much light to that league. And that uh, nah, was brilliant to be fair. It was brilliant. Ah uh, yeah, we had a uh, spoke to Lyle Cameron a couple of months back, and also he went on about his goal and uh, what he thought was going to be the winner. But then you mentioned uh, that you decided to pop up and get the winner. Yeah. But like, let's talk about your goal. I think you had tried that shot and just uh, you've been close for a few times that night. But this one was was really good because you you had the the run as well, yeah. and then you managed to uh, put that in the in the in the keeper's far right hand side. It was a fantastic goal, and I remember I, I was standing at the side with my mates. I'm like thirty eight, so my bones are the way they used to be. So I stood in the side, but when you scored yeah. that goal, I was right in the mixer with the young ones right Brilliant. in the middle of the goal. Eh? It was a, it was amazing. Like the, obviously when Lyle had scored his goal. As you think, everybody, like that's that is the winner initially. That that is the the, the game that the, the goal that's kind of seals it. But um, as you said, I've tried that. The most annoying thing about my goal was I needed to miss the one before it so that I could then rectify again. Then things the hard way. That first one can't just go in. I need to then learn from the mistake there and then have a different technique for the next one. But the annoying thing is for the first one, I think I got. I think I did this like un like I'm. And in my own eyes, I don't know how I've done it, but I've came in and I've I've made one guy, and then I think I made another, and then I stepped by a defender. No, I had to do was just slide it in. It was probably easier than the finish I had for the second one. And I've I've put it by a post, and I remember thinking to myself, that was a chance, that was a chance to score. Like you need to make sure you get another one. And and lucky enough, I did, and was able to kind of send everybody going a wee bit crazy again. So it was brilliant. Aye, it was a fantastic night all around. And like uh, I, I said, as we've said it in a few podcasts, I ended up on the pitch. But it was the most oh, yeah. OEP pitch invasion for myself. I, wait, I waited until everybody went on the pitch. Then me and my mates decided. Yeah, just and, a wee walk up. <laughs> I, but I never realised the, the wall was that big from the stand oh, on right, to the pitch. Right. As I went down, I nearly caught my foot, nearly pulled my hernia, and I think I limped onto the pitch. It was pathetic. It was, honestly, it was. Uh, that, would, that, that would have been shocking. That you know, If you're having to get stretched or daft from a pitch invasion, that would, not, that would have not been good. No. That was not good. No, I wouldn't have been. Um, so, celebrations for this, right? How long did you celebrate for? Because on Twitter, Luke Hanna, Hanno seemed to be celebrating for like 
two weeks solid. He was walking about the pubs and Dundee with his medal and everything. He just uh, went full pelt. Well, he was up here with no uh, obligations. No, he, he's getting nobody up here. He, just him and uh, the boy Clamping were up here and, and they two obviously came for the same team. And So, fair enough to him. He, he was away celebrating as you would to if you win a league and uh, he was not able to... Didn't need to go hate me anybody. So I, say, I had to come hate with my girlfriend and my dog and uh, and celebrate with them as well because they're the people that get you through it but they guys got to got to stay out and not, basically not sleep um, but no nah, we still we were Friday night Saturday night then Sunday all day as well so it was it was well enough for me it was it was brilliant right enough the celebrations were amazing especially the the like the town hall like the the kind of I don't know what the square um, uh, city centre yeah yeah the, that, the city yeah, square that was, that, yeah. was that was unbelievable like obviously I've never ever and as I before this, I never ever knew that Dundee had done that before. So obviously, shock horror. It was Cammy Kerr telling me as we're walking on the bus before we go. He's like, "Oh, you want to see?" So he's like showing me pictures of like before and and what it looked like before. He's like, "This is what we're going to hear. This is what it looks like." So, um, I when we got up up onto that we kind of we plateau, but it was just immense. Like to see that many people showing up and to just cheer again for for winning the league was was unreal, unreal. I took my daughter who showed zero interest in it at all. Uh, <laughs> just wanting snacks all the time. <laughs> well, actually, you just, there, once she gets that age, she'll be interested. Once she gets that age, she'll be interested. Brilliant. That's it. I've got to break her down gently. That's it. She'll yeah, eventually succumb to being a Dundee fan. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Love it, man. I love it. Um, another summer, look, another new manager. Um, maybe it is you. Maybe it is you. I'm certainly in, guys. It's just Tom and Denomini, honestly. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. That's what they're trying to say ah, to you. you it's no really. there, you know. <laughs> but um, Tony Dockett has came in, and days after he's came in, you've signed a, a two-year deal. Obviously, Dundee had loads of players out of contract, and as yeah. loads of players out of contract, there's loads of rumours. There's rumours about teams looking at yourself, Mulligan and Cameron, um, and even Max Anderson and whatnot. Um, but days later, keep this starts popping up because they're all signing two-year deals uh, was the was the deals in the pipeline before Tony Doherty or was Tony Doherty came in again you're going into the Premiership was it just a case of like I'm signing regardless I think the deals were the deal was in place before then um, the deal was kind of there for me near, near, like I think just after the kind of season ended um, but obviously as a player you want to kind of know who you're going to play for um, before you then finalise any deal or whatever and, uh, and I'll be honest it wasn't I wasn't ever looking anywhere else it, it sounds so strange because it, it sounds so like cliche to say but I never ever looked too far ahead of what I was doing I, I just knew all I wanted to do was enjoy my summer I wanted to enjoy the time I ho- off we, we were able to look enough I was able to go think two holidays that, that summer and uh, I just knew I had to enjoy that and once I came back for the holiday that was when I would finally be by that time I came back for the holiday Obviously, he was announced, and um, I remember him phoning me, and just again, kind of sounded similar to the way McPake did. It was just so normal, and and I was so happy that this this man, this new manager, was phoning me and and, and giving me a, a such importance to him, and saying, "I want to work with you. I want to push you on to the next level. I want you to, to kind of push it, boys around you on, and, and be a big part of my squad." And I just thought, like, this guy sounds perfect for me, especially at this stage of my career where you. But as you know, you want you want to try and use now and, and push for for later. And um, no, he right away I knew he was he was going to be really good for me. I think uh, 
like obviously when he was appointed, everybody, a lot of Dundee fans were thinking, Tony Dockett, assistant manager, like he was a, a name that maybe had popped up a few times on the bookie slips, you know, for next yeah, manager, but nobody ever thought like he's going to be manager. Yeah, but yeah. He's, he's quickly won over the fans with like he, the philosophy that he, he tries to bring in and also the players that he's brought in. And, and that's like say so far this season, like we've been happy with the way Dundee have been going. Sure. I, I take it uh, the players. The, the players that were left obviously there was a big change in the summer um, big overhaul but I take it the ones that uh, stayed uh, kind of brought bought into his way of thinking and his football uh, the way he wanted you to play quite quickly then yeah I think so I think right away you know uh, what kind of not, I don't want to say style in that because obviously styles in football always change but just know the kind of person he was really it was more about the environment he was creating it wasn't a case of he's playing this style of football this is all we, we want to play it was more the environment, that change room again that you want to bring in and you want to enjoy and all the boys that had stayed were the boys that all knew it, right? This is the change room we want to make. We make want to make it a really good one. And then the football will take care of itself, like tactics and all that will come in here later. But right away it's just get a good changing room, get all the boys together and, and, and kinda of go for there. And I think that was the one thing that I, like when you do an overhaul the way we did it, it was really vital that you have a, a kind of spine that was there from the season before and um, I think that's what we kind of had was a good group of boys that were there from the season before that could take everything that we learned and whatever from then and take it into this team and then just as you say add good people before footballers you, you want to add good people in that, that are going to make the, the dressing room better and, and help boys push and motivate boys and, and whatever so I think that's what the gaffer has done really well mm-hmm. So this season Let's talk about your goal against Harps. I, I don't think you were even meant to be on the pitch initially. Um, I think there was a lot of things with the uh, lineups, was wasn't there? there? I was, there was a lot of stuff um, going on. Uh, I don't know how much personally I can even say about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. All I know is before the game, obviously we day the team talk, we day the, the the shape and stuff before the day before the games, and I wasn't in the team, which is fine. It happens and my attitude will never change no matter what, um, whether I'm a sub or anything. Um, but I just remember before the game, uh, obviously when you're when you're starting and when you're when you're on a sub, you kinda have a slightly different routine to to for example, if you're if you're starting, you'll be doing sprints, you'll be doing possession, you'll be doing shooting. But if you're not starting, then you'll kinda do, you'll be on the side of possession or you'll be doing less passing or you'll be doing less shooting or whatever so I was doing all that and I, but obviously I had seen I can't remember how I seen it I just remember hearing a wee bit of, I seen that I was I think I was maybe on my phone or something and I'd seen on the Twitter that my my name was on the team sheet and I remember just thinking like oh it's just a it's just a like a, like a glitch it's just a a typo basically and I remember hearing like outside the changing room the gaffer and the, I think the refs and stuff like that were all talking about it and I didn't know at the time what they were talking about me so I went up just warming up like a substitution would and then I remember as I came back in it was just like right you're you're going for the start so it was just as if you changed the team naturally it wasn't as if like say somebody gets injured it was just like that really um, but obviously the ends didn't say it so I have no idea mm-hmm. um, but I it was just a case of Right, here you go. He's not really warmed up, right? But you're going to go for the start, and I was like, "All right, here we go." Like, I'll just let's go. Let's 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 do it. So 
kind of went in lucky enough lucky enough I was on the pitch to be fair <laughs> aye aye definitely because <laughs> So, like, uh, from no playing to turning into, like, a man in a match performance, you scored the winning goal as well, but um, yeah. what a strike it was. And I'll be honest here with you, like, see when you got that ball and you had Tiffany running beside you, I was up going, pass the ball to Tiffany. And then you went to take a shot. I was like, oh, and then you scored. It was like, like need you listen yeah. to me ever about football because yeah. I didn't care nothing. But what a strike it was, mate. I know, to be fair, at the time when I got the ball, I didn't even see Tiff. I wasn't even looking at Tiff. I just knew that Xander Clark was off his line. And obviously, I, people are going to probably slag me for this, but obviously the goal I scored against Fleetwood, it was like, I was like, thinking to myself, like, I'm going to try this again here. It was, and it was a split second. It was like so minute second. I just kind of remember seeing him off the line. I thought, right, try it. Like, go for it, see. And then I'd done it. And then it wasn't until, obviously, the net and whatever, I ran over to celebrate. And I remember Tiff grabbing me and going, you are so lucky that's went in. You're so lucky that's went in because I was an on goal. And I, and I think, remember thinking, like, I don't remember seeing you even there. And it wasn't until I watched the replay that he's an on goal one on one. And I'm thinking, thank God that went in. <laughs> he, would have, he would have took my head off if I didn't go in. I'm so lucky here. Um, but that, it, that was it's amazing, man. It was just so good. Again, to get another, that was a, another three points that one. So, as you say, the three points are always bigger, but it's nice to chip in where we go. Aye, it was like a first Premiership goal. Of that season ended up in the victory again. Oh, so uh, it's a wee thing. It's a wee thing that, isn't it? So, That's it. And just as just as well, you scored it because God knows what we would have said about you on the podcast as well. <laughs> may you got may you got Tiffany <laughs> on as a special guest. Honestly, God, should, if that was the case, Tiff would have been on everywhere saying that yeah, he didn't slip me in. That's his fault. Blame him. And I would have, I wouldn't have blamed these man. I would have been like, ah, same. I would have said the same. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've mentioned there the Fleetwood goal. Uh, Pre-season, halfway line, fantastic, brilliant goal. Uh, you've scored some, I think most of your goals for Dundee have been like World Cup goals, aren't they? Um, yeah. But out of your whole career, what would be your favourite one that you've scored? Uh, um, Matt, well, the the best one has to, I'll be honest, the best one technically I think for me is probably going to be Hearts, um, just because obviously it's in the, the Premiership and also just like it was a very like when I look back on it I don't even realise how kind of hard it it was to do it and obviously you don't even think about it you just kind of do it but my most enjoyable one has to be the uh, Greenock Morton and it was at I was at air at the time and I scored a goal to make it 2-1 and I ended up getting goalie a year and all that um, so it was like a good goal again as well but I just remember like near enough my whole family in the away end for against obviously that's my local team and I remember my whole family, friends, I think I must have asked for about 30 tickets that night to get everybody there. Um, and I think just for, like, personally, never mind who I'm playing for or anything, that was just, that's one that always kind of sticks out for me, always. Any Long Greenock fans? Uh, no. No, I swear. No, I swear, to be fair. Like, a couple of them now that are, uh, obviously I don't play in, in that league and stuff like that, they, they, they kind of say, I like I like Greenock Mountain's probably my team before or whatever, but um nah they they were more look fans than they were than they were Greenock fans, so uh, they were as buzzing as me, I think. Yeah, I would have loved it if some of uh, my mates were Morton fans. I'd be going across shushing them and all that. You I know, know, totally. I know. Well, before I, before the game, I'm, you get obviously because I'm free there. I stayed literally. I could probably kick it off to my backyard into into Capo, and you get everybody singing like "Look, McCowan, we know where you stay," and all that. So. 
it's like that's the kind of stuff you get before it. So to do that, like at my, at my local team, is just immense. Yeah. Uh, speaking of goals, what would you say is the goal for the team this season? Um, and goals for yourself as well, because obviously players, uh, take, players like to set individual targets for themselves, you know, to better themselves and and whatnot. So, what would be uh, yours um, for the team? I would say you always go typical, probably answer would be to, to stay in the league. People say a new team coming up with the overhaul we did, you would always say stay in the league, and it would probably be the, the smartest thing to say. But knowing the team we've got, and even the teams we've played against now. I just feel I don't know why we can't get seventh or sixth or or even you're you're put like eight seven six that kind of mid table to to top and it's just about having clinical moments within games that that will win you games just now and I think uh, obviously when we were at Easter Road there like I mean you imagine Beck Owen Beck scores that scores that goal at the very end and you're going to wait three points at Easter Road I mean we're coming away disappointed that we don't win and that just shows how far this team have came to go, right, we've just come up for the championship and we're going to Easter Road and I know obviously if you want to say Hibs aren't in their best place whatever, but that's still Easter Road. Easter, Easter Road's a hard place to go and I think that just shows where we've came as a team to to be disappointed in that and not get the results. So I think now we know the main goal, if you want to say the overall goal is to always stay in the Premier League and and, and maintain Dundee's like, status as a, as a Premiership club. But as as a goal, it's a probably a selfish goal of mine is to to push us high into the top six as you can and 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 challenge you and, and get when you get to that split beyond the beyond the positive side there. And I don't know if that's naivety for myself or um obviously if you asked other people it might be different answers and but for me personally it would be to get in that top six and, and push as much as we can towards it. I was hoping you were gonna say something like going on holiday to Germany next summer. That's my that's my nah, ambition. Really, to be fair, to be fair, personally, for me as a personal goal, I, I've never been somebody that always sets um, goals. Obviously, that'd be a great one to get to Germany. Obviously, when you're when you're uh, going there for for Scotland and that. But uh, I think for me personally, as goals, I, I don't ever go all right. We'll try and get ten goals this year, or because I feel me, I would I would try and chase that. I would try and get it too much, or, or think about it too much. Whereas sounds so normal but if I just keep myself present and just focus on performance then I know goals will come and I think I learned that probably from my first time in the Premier, Premiership it was I was chasing the goals too much or I was chasing assists or I was chasing a good performance whereas if you just kind of calm down and let instincts take over and because nothing changes when you go into the park it's just you play football and you want to enjoy it and um, I think for me this year it's just maintaining performances really and hopefully I I would rather the three points obviously every game but if the goals and assists come through that then then I'm glad to take them So look you've been around many managers many 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 managers <laughs> but apart from them like you've also got assistant you've got coaches so who's been the most most influential person in your career um, and if it's not somebody that's been with Dundee have you also got somebody that's been with Dundee that's been your most influential um, what a question that is. Uh, I think I'll start with out with Dundee before I came, obviously before I came. You had I always had a few. Um, I think there was Mark Kerr who obviously went to a player to a to a manager. So he was able to help me in both senses of while he was still playing, showed me how serious 
you take training every day, no matter who you're against on a Saturday. Uh, he taught me kind of stuff like that. Um, and then as a manager, he would then teach me the tactical side of the game and 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 more about man managing and how to always be seeing if somebody's all right. Never mind just if he's a football player, you always want to be talking to people and and kind of stuff like that. So he really taught me that. Uh, and then I would say probably. I would say probably just, I don't know, so hard because you meet so many good people throughout football and to put, obviously, labels on people. But when I when I watch, when you watch uh, Michael Moffat, right, and I know we spoke briefly about him earlier, I used to watch kind of his standards always in training. and But I also used to see that he absolutely loved the night of it. And I used to just remember, before I ever went to, to air and before I got into our first team, I never touched one drink. I would never think of going out in a night out. I would never do anything like that. And I still, I'm not like that and I'm, I never will be. But when I used to see him doing it and I used to think, how can he do that, going for that to then that on a Saturday, I used to think, he obviously must have this professionalism about him that then helps him. And it used to, I remember seeing people like him and, but then you'd see people like Stephen Bell who'd be the best professional possible. And I used to just think, it gave me a, a, a I like a, different things work for different people. But I, Mark, Michael Moffat, I would say, and, and Mark Hale were the two at the air that really kind of made me see how to be and how to, what person to be and but what standards to hold in training every day and not just show up and, and not want to train well and not want to, like, kind of sack it off if it wears rubbish, for example. You always want to just be there and enjoy it. So that was my one before Dundee. And I think at Dundee, um, probably at the very start, probably um, might be a wee surprise to people, but uh, Christy Elliott was massive for me, absolutely huge. When I first came, he knew he knew Aaron Muirhead um, from I think they played at Partick Thistle together, and I knew obviously Aaron Muirhead from there. When I went to Dundee, them two got in contact, and Aaron said to him, "Look after him. He's he's coming in. It's his like kind of first time playing the Premier League." blah, 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 and uh, Christy Elliott took me right under his wing. When I didn't know many people, obviously, Dick McDade helped as well, but I think in that first kind of six months to a year, I think Christy really helped me like blend in with the team. Um, the likes of Paul McMullen, who, who proper helped me as well. Um, well. I mean, obviously, I'm still good mates with these guys now, and uh, it was just them. I think them two at the very start were, were massive for me because they, they helped me like a lot. Um, but coaches wise, I, I pro at Dundee anyway. I would, I probably, as you say, I've, I've had what four? Was that three? Four the managers, yeah. So <laughs> if I probably the bit, um, you take like a wee thing for each one of them. So it's not. I, I can't put my finger on one. Obviously, I'd probably say the gaffer now has been massive for me this year. Um, and he's probably he probably stands out to the rest of them because how much importance he wanted and put, he put on me whereas previous years it, it, obviously when I first came in I'm playing in the same changing room as Charlie Adam and Jason Cummins Lee Griffiths um, Fontaine like I'm playing in a changing room with these massive names that you go for and I always said this at the start you always, you went, I went for the, the first name in the team sheet to maybe like 10th or 11th maybe and I thought it was kind of hard to deal with because these massive names and I think this year especially under under this gaffer is 
he stood it for me. He he's the one that's proper put importance onto me and it made me feel that I could basically do anything and, and just tells me gives me don't get me wrong, rat, rattles me when I need it and tells me it's not good enough when I need it. But it's stuff like that I love that no matter who how good you're doing or no matter how good you're doing, it's always that standards is massive and so I would say probably them three in my life so far has, has been the standards, Michael Moffat, Mark Kerr especially, and then uh, Tony Doherty and the current gaffer. I can't believe you never mentioned Cammy Kerr. He'll be turning in his Dundee Doofy uh, right there. I can't. <laughs> Kerzo is one of the best guys you'll ever, ever meet. And I know you probably met him umpteen times. Um, but if, I, if you ask me who, uh, who in your life has taught you the most about history and football, I would go to him. <laughs> he would be the guy that would be the the if I wanted to know anything anything about Dundee or anything about I think the Premier Premiership for the last twenty five years, then he would be the guy to go to. But in terms of personal personally for me as 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 a player, I don't think Kerzo would he'd probably admit that himself. He probably wouldn't get into that that bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you've also mentioned uh, plenty of managers and coaches at your time at, at Dens. Um, obviously, there's always there's been a lot of changes off the field as well. And Dundee moved to Gardine. Um yeah. massive step for the club. You know, it's their own training base now. Obviously, until like the what's the proposed new stadiums in the in the mixer. But uh, to the, as a player for Dundee, just how big a move was it for yourself uh, to go from maybe training at different bits um, every week uh, to actually having your own uh, training base to go to, which I've been in a few times and it's uh, fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's incredible, to be fair. It's obviously nothing I've, I've never, ever had anything like this before. Um, but when we first moved, it was like almost like an excitement, like you're, you're in a new place. It's 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 fantastic. Um, but I think it was a big cha- like it was a big change. Obviously, a good, an amazing change, but it was a big change from from training at Dens or always showing up to Dens. And obviously, bearing in mind it was like kind of still lockdown rules, COVID rules that we had to separate, and we were in different changing rooms. Um, so you never got. To, sometimes you could go without seeing people um, all the time because we, we then didn't have lunches at the time because it was still kind of COVID and lockdown and stuff. Um, but to move into the the garden from from that basically not even sharing the changing room to then moving into there was just amazing and the facility there they've got now is really incredible and I think having something like that would it creates a pull towards the club like if you say to to like a team we we've got this training facility we want this player here coming like for example if you're getting like uh, Owen Beck, obviously coming for Liverpool. Like I'd imagine that would have been a massive pull that they've got. We've got a facility that is 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 so good, and and it would have helped get a player like himself. So I think it. I think it's massive for Dundee. I think I think it's a no brainer for them to have and to hopefully keep going with with something like that in in the future to come. Yeah, uh, hopefully it's. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it will be a place to entice future loanees from let's say big clubs right. like Liverpool and players wanting cool. to sign. I, I, I. Of course, that isn't just. Uh, that's not just loan players. Obviously, that's when you, you, as you say, you, you come before you sign with a team and you, you go and have a look at the place where they train or you go look at the stadium. And as soon as they walk in, if anybody walks into that place and is not impressed, they're, they're lying to you again. So it's it's incredible the, the job they've done in there and 
uh, every, everybody that works in it's so friendly and amazing as well so it makes it even better Zach Robinson must love it because he's signed for us three times in less than a year <laughs> that's why he's, he's in swimming pool up the top so he's, <laughs> he's that's why he's came again <laughs> <laughs> aye yeah, why wouldn't they want to sign if you got in swimming pool I'll <laughs> say this season the changing room is totally different um Plenty of new characters in the in the squad, and you mentioned like getting a spine of players in. Carson Shaughnessy are two straight away for me that stand out as players that you think, yep, they're the uh, type of players you want on it. Um, yeah. But I would like to know, Paul McGowan moving on, who's now the angriest man in that dressing room? Me. You, you're the angriest man now. <laughs> um, I think I might need to change a G. I think I might need to change a C in my name to a G. I've <laughs> been told this so many times since he's left. I think I've I took that mantelpiece. However, I'm not, I don't know, I'm, uh, <laughs> it's so weird talking about, like, trying to say about yourself, but he, he was angry, I feel, all the time. <laughs> Whereas it's only, it's only when I go on the white lines, is a kind of competitiveness and, and will to win and whatever just kind of takes over and, and that's when I become the, the angry man and, and the wee angry guy people call me on the, on the pitch. And sometimes it's even to myself, sometimes I'm, call myself a, a fat idiot and for missing a shot in training or whatever and uh, boys are always like ah, you're just so angry with yourself but it, it sometimes works for me and so, obviously most of the time I'll not do it but I think I've been I think I've been labelled with labelled with the angriest guy greatest guy in the dressing room there you took over the mantle for Paul aye sadly sadly I didn't think I would too off the pitch I'm not but as soon as I got them them four white lines that's me this, I get give the I get give the trophy I was just thinking about it there as well. Like, but so many changes. Um, you could be seen as like one of the one of the veterans of the Dundee team now because you've been with us for like this is the fourth season, and okay. we've no many players. I think you've got Ashcroft, um, Langston's maybe. I think after McGee. that, McGee. Yeah. So there's there's only a few years in. And also Cammy because he's been here for about twenty five years. Oh, yeah, um, that's a guy. He's a, he's he's just, <laughs> he's just always there. He's just the, uh, he's just the furniture, and he's just there anyway. Um, There'll be a time when he doesn't play for Dundee, but you'll walk in and he's just there. You were, uh, he's just there. Uh, <laughs> a wee day after he just came in uh, to see everybody. Um, but no, do you know something that like uh, it's probably a good thing as well, like because when you get such new people, you need a lot. You need, as I said earlier in, in the podcast, you need like uh, that kind of spine to to help people. Uh, gel together and, and, and stuff like that and I really feel like the boys who were there last year have helped do that and it obviously gets everybody to know like kind of where, just even whereabouts up here and stuff to do and give them stuff to do and as I said be a good person before before the footballer you you bring them in and we have that spine and every one of them are, are good people and they, they kind of get everybody in that same mindset of being a good person mm-hmm Got a question. It's a wee bit of a thinker. So, put the current Dundee squad that we've got, I need you to pick the perfect Dundee player. So, you've got a choice at Attributes here. So, you've got a choice. You've got to pick the player and mould them all into one that's got the best control, right. one with the best right. vision, the one with the best tackling, shooting, right foot and left foot. And I know we're going, you're going to pick yourself in a left foot, but we need to take you out of the equation. Or do you want to right. pick no, no, I'll, t- I'll take myself foot then, right? Aye. Because I'll take myself foot, right? So we'll go left foot and I'll go Owen Beck, mm-hmm. right? And then I'll go right foot, and I don't want to go. St- I don't want to go standard. I'm trying to think of somebody outside the box. Um, 
I think it's somebody outside the boy. Kerzo will be raging if I don't see him, but I can't see him. <laughs> um, oh, I'm so spiteful. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go best. Ta- I'll give Cammy the best tackler. There you go. Cammy yeah. the best. Hands down. Every tackle he does, hundred percent. Even in training, man. Some of the scars and bruises on my feet coming away from after him is is brutal. Um, I'm going to go best right foot would be. It's a wee bit argumentative, but I could be Trevor Carson. He's got good distribution. I'm He's telling got good you, he just, he just. I'm even just thinking the training the day some of the stuff he was doing, and that isn't the, that isn't the saying by the way because we've got so many good players right foot. But I think has just stood out a wee bit because we're doing a few things here and there, and uh, he just makes it look a wee bit effortless. So uh, I'll go with him for right footing. <laughs> Who's got the uh, best right foot? The keeper. Nah, the keeper. I know it sounds so bad, but I'm just going to go. If I, if I was going based on just who was striking a ball, who I think would look the best, I think yeah. Trevor would look. Trevor looks the best. Uh, uh, got shooting. Got shooting. Um, shooting. Therefore, not Josh Mulligan anyway. <laughs> they can they can write you that equation. That's we wrote. We we slag him for our time. That's what he practices most. So. Uh, we'll go um, Lyle Cameron I think I think mm. he's probably got one of the best shooting um, good finisher good bit of power um, try and who else is, is up there um, Charlie Riley up there as well and mm-hmm. he's obviously haven't got to see much of him this year sadly with the injuries and stuff he's had but um, nah he's all in for a treat when you when you see him he's a, he'll be a top one but I think either I'd, probably, I'd give it to Lyle I'd probably say Lyle there's a few few um, Few uh, nominees in that, but I'll get you with Lyle. There's two big ones here. The probably ones that every player's probably wanting. So the best control of the ball, controller of the ball, and the person with the best uh, best vision. Um, I'm going to go vision for, and again could be a couple. I'm going to go um, Finn Robertson. I'm going to say him just, just because I feel like he got, tries to do the passes that personally I would see as well, and and um, I just feel like he does he does most kind of obviously you say vision and it's the, the most unique passes that you can do and stuff like that. So I think he he comes under that bracket uh, for vision probably. Mm-hmm. And as I said, there's a few miles in there, um, like said some of the centre halves as well. Joe and and Ashy and Lamy have always oh, they've all got great vision for for being. Uh, defenders as well, so um, I but I think we find might might just might just nick it there. And then what was the last one? Uh, the best controller of the ball. Controlling the ball could even be having the ball at their feet and running away at and stuff like that. Um, Holding it I've up. Took, I've took I've took myself out, so I can't say myself, but I think it would be <clears throat> best control. That's tough. Maybe tough, actually. Running with the ball and stuff, I, I think I've got to say tough, actually. Um, I mean, I, it's tough all day, actually. If you're, if you're talking ball control, running with the ball, and that, I, it stands out a mile. How he can run that quick with the ball sometimes, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's impressive. It's, uh, it's quite a hybrid of uh, a football player there. Cammy Kerr would be the best tackle, you know, and all that. He wears his heart to sleep in, so he's got the best tackle. See one, see one that I totally agree with you with and it's uh, uh, Finn Robertson with the vision 
I think the past couple of seasons, he's just got better. And the thing is, he was found himself out the team for a little while, but yeah. he's came back and he's like a different player. And it's yeah. not so bad because he was still young when he came into the team. But to me, yeah. he's he's got much better. And I'm like, mostly players get much better playing every week. And he's done yeah. it behind the closed doors. You know, I'll be honest about Finn is, I think when I first came, I think... Not that he'd ever, and this isn't in the hunting for him, but not that his attitude was ever bad, but I feel in the last year, I feel like his he, maturity, I would say, never no, no attitude, I would say his maturity has just like went to a different level for somebody who's so young and obviously it showed that he's been called up with the Scotland squad, uh, the 21s and stuff like that. So it shows how good he's, how well he's done so far this year, but I think his maturity in the game and understanding that it is a team game and, and no matter if you're not playing, football can change and there's no point in being done in the dumps when you're on the bench and obviously be angry and stuff like that. But he's really, really learned that from last year, especially when he's in and out of the team and, and stuff like that. So uh, we find those get massive potential, absolutely huge potential. Mm-hmm. And it's good to see. Basically, you're putting on this football player. I'm not going to put a face on it because... Well, you talked about Cammy Kers because he he keeps uh, keeps himself uh, nice and clean nowadays, doesn't he? The slick back uh, here. Aye, Mister Christine. Uh, <laughs> if I had to put a face on it, big Joe Shaughnessy, handsome, handsome man. He is actually Joe Shaughnessy all day, and he's got the accent and everything to go with it. So, um, aye, Joe Shaughnessy all day. For me. <laughs> uh, got one of my last questions for the night. Look, this is uh, a personal one for you. Um, but who gave you the the go ahead? Who gave you the okay for the new blonde hairstyle this season? If my missus didn't okay, it, then I would have been in bother. So <laughs> I would say probably she gave the final word on it. But do you know what? It never. It was just something. I think I might have seen a few people do it just online or something. And I thought, I mean, twenty five is that awkward days where you I think you're getting on the other side of it. Or you're still, but you're still younger. You still like you're still young as anything. So um, I think I just thought a wee change and. And that's how I've got my hat. You obviously won't see it on the podcast, but I've got my hat on the night because it's just looking so yellow just now. So I need to go get stuff done. And then do you want to know what? When I watched the the Beckham uh, documentary on Netflix, I don't know if you've seen it yourself, but um, if you've not, I'd recommend it. Um, but I noticed he had blonde hair. Obviously, he's known for having kind of blonde hair. But when he went for it, I thought, ah, if Beckham can can do it. Then there's no problem me going to try it. So I'm glad I did. Now I'm glad I did. You're going to be sporting a mohawk soon, aren't you? Just going to follow his. Mm, I don't know. I think, I think my head's a wee bit too big for that, so I'll just keep a, keep a, keep a full head of hair on, hopefully as long as possible, before I need to get back to that turkey holiday you were talking about. <laughs> Wait, I think uh, seeing you rocking up to the Motherwell game, blonde hair, you had the pink bits on, and I was like, he's definitely just been out watching that Barbie fellow. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Oh, well, as soon as I got that, that's all I was getting was. Uh, you're looking like Ken now and uh, you must have got that after you watched that and I still say it this day I don't think I've actually sat and watched that film but I take I mean it's Ryan Gosling in it that plays him I was about so to say I'll take, I'll, take call, I'll take every compliment I can get after that so it's not a problem with me Out <laughs> of curiosity um, so when you're watching matches back um, I think you're probably going to watch the matches back and all that and it's uh, the club have obviously recorded that I sometimes do commentary for like DTV did they have, right. ever have like the the commentary on or is it the silence and you're speaking over the game? Um, no, so if you, I think if you watch it back, obviously through, like so sometimes it will get put through through DTV or whatever and, and you obviously hear the commentary but the most of the time it's through an app called Huddle mm-hmm. and it's, as you say, it's just silent. It's just, I think it's more so that if you're showing it in a meeting or whatever, 
that you're not hearing go or whatever. You're not you're not hearing the <laughs> you're not hearing the shout. So uh, nah, most of the time it's silent. But a few times you you hear, you've we've heard commentary here and there. Thank God for that. There's no other time because I help put sometimes only when they're in like total die or desperate need the call on me. Yeah. You know, I'll right. pop up. But I just uh, like, hey, we probably some of the boys mate, I heard your voice. That's uh, it. I just I sit you. and slug people though. That's what comes with punditry. That's what comes with punditry. It comes with it. You, as you say, that it's direct criticism, isn't it? Yeah. You've got, it's, the way you, it's the way you come across. It's the way you come across. Aye. Uh, I suppose being in trouble with some of the stuff I've said, but like, this. Oh, keep doing it until, until I'm in trouble. <laughs> that boils all opinions, mate. It's, I think everybody knows that. It doesn't matter if you're commentating, coaching, playing, watching for your house. It's, everybody's allowed it. That's the that's fun of football. So, um, nah, you're not going to get in trouble. It's funny. That's it. That's it. Uh, well, look, thank you very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, fantastic answers. It's uh, really been a privilege. Uh, you know, we've had Lyle on as well before. We've had Cammy Kerr as well. Um, so it's good to get the, the feeling of well, current players. I'm in good company there. So, no, I appreciate you having me on and, and taking the time to write all the questions and that. Doing it. And as I said, man, the podcast is moving brilliant. So just keep, keep doing it. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Look, well, thank you very much, and uh, all the best for the the game against Aberdeen and for the rest of the season. Thank you so much, mate. I appreciate that. Thank you.